okay, you can go woo. Wow, awesome. So my name is Becca. I'm a rising senior at South Forsyth High School. Go Eagles, I guess. <laughs> I know you. Uh, I know all of you guys go there, so. Um, I'll go ahead and introduce me and my family, just kind of like every other speaker has. So I am one of five kids. I have four siblings. There they are. On the far right, I still have to do this thing, uh, is Rachel. She's 23. Then we have Hannah. She's 21. My parents, my brother in the middle, he's 15, who's actually right over there. Everyone say hi, Matthew. Love you, bub. And then Sarah, who is 19, and me and Se is 17 on the far left. We're all two years apart, so that worked out. Yes, it was pretty hectic in my house going up. We also have a dog. That's Mojo and his ice cube. He loves playing with those. He's very cute. He's a little crazy, but we still love him. So I don't play any sports. I'm more of a creative than athletic type. I like writing. I like drawing. Um, I'm trying to get into sewing. <laughs> I'm not good at any of those things. I just like to do it for fun. So that's just a little bit about me. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and pray if you guys would just bow your heads with me. Uh, dear God, I just pray for this time. I just pray that you'll use me as a vessel. I am a broken vessel, God. And I just pray that the words I speak are from you and not from me and that uh, the things I say, just all the glory goes to you, God. Um, I just pray that these words that you speak through me will be able to make an impact, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So today I'm going to be delving into the topic of struggles and, more importantly, how we can trust God in the midst of them. I believe this is a pretty universal topic. We all struggle. Even people with good lives struggle. It's any type of conflict, any type of difficult thing we go through, it's the hard things in life. And even through those hard things, sometimes what can make it even harder is the feeling that one, we're alone in it, or two, that those things are just not going to go away. These are lies that the devil tells us. And when we're in these vulnerable states, it's so easy to believe. But these lies have been disproven by the truth that is the word of God. I understand personally how convincing these lies can be, even if you do know God. So I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about my story. I'm going to go ahead and get really vulnerable with you guys, so just bear with me. So I grew up in a Christian family. I grew up going here, actually, for church. And so I always knew about God, but it wasn't until a little while later that I had a personal relationship with him. So kind of getting right into the tough part, I've struggled with depression and anxiety ever since I was a little kid. And if you have either of those, you can understand that that's a really difficult thing in itself. But for me, what made it even harder in a way was that I grew up in a loving family and I went to a good school and I had all these other blessings, so I felt guilty for feeling this way. I felt like I was invalid. Why was I experiencing these things if I was so blessed? And because of that guilt, I just bottled up and buried these emotions. And again, if you go through depression or anxiety, you know that is one of the worst things you can do. Um, when I started middle school, that's when my depression and anxiety got really bad. 
in seventh grade, it got so bad to the point I was having suicidal thoughts. Uh, for those of you who don't deal with depression and anxiety, it's hard to explain how painful it can be unless you go through it, but I'll try my best uh, to sum it up. It's like a constant war going on in your head. You have all these thoughts racing your mind, telling you that you're worthless, telling you that there's no hope, telling you that there's no reason for you to even be here on this planet. And at the same time, it's numb and it's empty. It's like you're alive, but you're not really living, you're just existing. And it's like you're in this bubble or there's this line separating you from connecting with anything in the world and you feel so alone and isolated. And I remember there was just one night in seventh grade where I got into one of those moods and my head was racing with thoughts and it was so overwhelming that I just broke down crying. And I didn't know what to do, so I just started praying. And from that, that's when I realized that I couldn't live this life on my own. That's when I surrendered my heart to Christ. Up until that point, my faith was just from my parents, but now I had this faith of my own. And with this newfound faith, I had a spiritual high for quite some time. I had this new weapon to fight against the darkness and the struggles with. But when I started high school, my depression and anxiety got really bad again. Those terrifying thoughts, they came back. That emptiness, that came back. And I just felt so defeated. I thought that having God by my side meant that I wouldn't have to deal with this. And from this supposed defeat came an even deeper low. Um, freshman year, I was sent to a psychiatric hospital for having suicidal thoughts. And then not even a year later, I was sent back for a suicide attempt. Um, both times I was sent, I stayed for about a week, and I could talk all about the experiences there, but that's not what is important. During these moments, the hardest part, the worst part, I remember is just when I was sitting in my bed, I felt so broken. And I just remember my parents came to my room and I was sitting in my bed surrounded by pill bottles. And I just remember seeing the pain in my parents' eyes as they read the note that I left. A note that I wasn't supposed to be alive for them to read. And I just remember seeing that pain and just being filled with an overwhelming sense of hurt, knowing that I hurt the people I love. And even worse, I could have hurt them so much more if I had succeeded. And in that moment, I just felt so completely broken and lost and I just, I didn't know how I'd even ended up here. I thought that God had abandoned me, but he hadn't abandoned me. He had something even bigger in store for me. 
so now that I've told you guys about my biggest struggle, I want to share uh, some truth and some hope. Um, if you guys would open your Bibles, I will be reading out of John chapter 16, verses 19 through 20. Very truly, I tell you, or sorry, <laughs> Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. So to give some context behind this story, Jesus had just told his disciples that he was going to disappear and then come back. And he was alluding to his future death on the cross and resurrection that was soon to come, but he didn't tell them explicitly. So the disciples are very confused as to what he means. And Jesus is essentially telling him or telling them to trust him. Now going into what the text actually says, uh, notice how Jesus is upfront in saying that they will grieve. He says that they will weep, they will grieve. And then he goes on to say that their grief will turn into joy, that they will rejoice. And although in this passage, Jesus is talking directly to his disciples, his words ring true for us as well. Uh, so there are three main points, so note takers out there, uh, that I really want you guys to get out of this message. The first being that Jesus promises struggle. In the text, when Jesus is talking about the near future of his disciples, he tells them that they will grieve. And notice how he doesn't say they might, he says they will. This pain and suffering, it's not a possibility, it's a guarantee. And I know that's hard to hear. We like to think that if we're Christians and we have faith in God, that he will just take away our problems. And yes, God can help take away some of our problems, but that doesn't mean he's just going to erase all of our difficulties. We live in a broken world. The truth is, being a Christian doesn't mean that we won't have problems. It means that we have someone to lean on during those problems. When I started high school and my mental illness got bad again, I thought that either my faith wasn't good enough or that God had something against me and that was the reason I was in pain. But as I mentioned before, having faith in God does not mean you're exempt from pain. Notice also in the text how Jesus doesn't tell the disciples why they'll grieve. He just says that they will. Jesus promises that we will struggle, but how we struggle is different from everyone, and he doesn't say what it's going to be. In the disciples' case, it was the death of Jesus. In my case, it was mental illness. For you guys, it could be health issues, problems with family, friends, drama, uh, bad grades in school, different things, but it doesn't matter what exactly you go through. It's just the guarantee that you will go through it. Everyone has different struggles, but we all struggle nonetheless. And yes, it's so hard to hear. It would be so easy to just pray a prayer and boom, you're a Christian, and boom, life is easy. But again, 
we live in a world of sin, and until we get in heaven, we have to live with the pain that brings. I don't know everything that you guys will go through. I don't even know everything I will go through, but God does. And we can rest in that because the God of the universe knows specifically what each and every one of you will struggle with. But even better, he knows what greater things he has in store, which brings me to my next point. Jesus guarantees our grief, but he also guarantees our joy. In the text, again, when Jesus is talking about the near future, he uses the words that they will have joy, not that they might, again. Um, and not only that, but in the passage, the disciples said, or Jesus tells the disciples that their grief will turn into joy. It's not two separate things. It's not like, yes, the joy comes and it's good, but the grief's still there. No, it turns to joy. God takes our struggles and he transforms them. He uses that joy to make it, he uses the pain to make that joy ever more satisfying. It's a joy greater than we can imagine. Look at the example that Jesus gives to the disciples about a woman giving birth. She's in pain, but when she has that child, she's filled with so much joy that she forgets about the pain. Same is true for us. Yes, we're going to go through pain, and it's just going to hurt. But when we get that joy, it's going to be so good that when it comes, that pain won't matter anymore. It doesn't erase the pain. It doesn't make us completely forget that it happened, but it makes that pain more than worth it for what we get to experience. Look at the last verse. Jesus says, I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. This isn't just a, it's a nice day out kind of joy, or my family is going out to eat at my favorite restaurant kind of joy. Those things are unsatisfying, short, temporary, and you'll probably forget about them in the next couple days. The joy that Jesus is talking about is one that's so powerful, no one can take it away. Unlike the suffering that Jesus promises, this joy is not temporary. This joy is not from the world. It's from the cross. It's from God. It's, if Jesus hadn't died on the cross, we would only have that grief and the pain and the suffering. But when he died and rose again, he brought hope into the world. And that's what brings me to my last point. What I really want you guys to take away is, yes, we will have pain, and yes, we will have joy. So what does that mean for us right now? It means we can have hope in God even when we can't see him. Going back to those two lies I mentioned earlier, the lies that one, we're alone, or two, that that pain's just going to last forever, Jesus proves these wrong. He proves them wrong, and not only in the text, but through his sacrifice on the cross. We know that we're not alone because when Jesus died and resurrected, he bridged the gap between us and God, a gap built by sin. He bridges that gap, and now we can walk side by side with God. And yes, when life's going well, it's easy to see God, but when we get in these moments of struggle, it's dark and it's hard to see. But just because we can't see him, it doesn't mean that God's not there. That's what faith's built upon. As for the second lie, 
Our pain does not last forever. When Jesus died on the cross, the disciples grieved just as Jesus had promised. They thought he was gone forever. They didn't know what was to come. Imagine how hopeless they must have felt when they thought that the Son of God had been defeated. But he wasn't defeated. Their grief didn't last forever. In only three days, Jesus rose again and came back with the greatest news, the gospel. He kept his promise. So why would he break yours? And it sucks sometimes because we have no idea when that pain will go away. I can't say that it'll go away in three days, just like on the cross, but Jesus has never broken a promise and he's not gonna start now. And I know it can be hard to imagine a joy that's so great it makes our pain look like nothing. It's hard to comprehend his plan But then again, this is the God of the universe we're talking about. If me, a 17-year-old girl, could comprehend God's plan, it must not be that great of a plan. There's a verse that I really like. It's 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Going back to my story, my struggle with mental illness has been going on for years. Even when I was in elementary school, my mom said that I had these negative spirals I couldn't get myself out of. Today, I still experience some pretty extreme lows. God didn't take away my mental illness, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't love me or that my faith isn't strong enough. Yeah, I have this difficult pain, but I have something even greater, something to give me strength in that pain, and that's this truth right here. I have the knowledge that God has something in store for me that is greater than I could ever imagine, something that will make my pain more than worth it. And that truth is more than enough to keep me going. And the best part is, it's true for every single one of you. No matter what each of you go through, no matter what lies the devil tries to convince you of, you're not alone and this pain is only temporary. Even better than that, the joy that is in store is brighter than any light. If you... Remember nothing else from this talk. Remember this. Whatever you struggle with, that is not God abandoning you. That is God fulfilling the beginning of his promise to you. And again, I believe, I believe we can find peace in that. And maybe we can't see what our joy is going to look like. But sometimes the things unseen are the best things he has in store for us. Now, we're going to do something a little bit different because my talk's a little shorter than the other seminars. Uh, Since I've been talking about struggle um, and how it's a universal thing that we all go through, I know that all you guys in here are struggling with something as well, especially in this time with the COVID-19 virus and things getting shut down. We're all going through a lot. And so if you guys want to get together within your small groups or within your pods, I want you guys to pray for each other. Ask each other what are the things that you're struggling with? And then 
ask how you can pray for them. And for those of you on the live stream, if you're with a group or another person, do the same thing as well. If you're by yourself, then just pray to God. Ask him how he can give them some sort of joy in the midst of struggle. Give them hope. Um, So if you guys want to just go ahead and either pair up, get into your small groups, um, and just pray for each other over your struggles. And I'll... uh, call you guys back in about five, ten minutes, and then I'll pray us out.
you guys just want to finish up in the next minute or so. I just, I don't want to interrupt any of you guys who are, I hate to interrupt those of you who are still praying, but I'm going to go ahead and close this out. Um, don't be afraid to continue these conversations and prayers after this, but I just wanted to say that just right now, um, all of you guys who are praying for each other, just even praying by yourself, you're just living proof that God is here with us and that God can give us strength no matter what. Um, just in this moment, you guys are just shining the light of God, and it's beautiful to see. Now, if you guys would just bow your heads, I'm going to go ahead and close this out in prayer. Uh, dear God, just thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. Thank you for being there for us, even in our darkest moments, even when we can't see you. Thank you that you have such power and ability to give us strength in these struggles and that you give us this community here where we can have conversations and pray for each other. God, I just pray that whatever I spoke, that it was for your glory and that it's able to just be your words shining into these people's lives. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Woo! Thank you, guys.